Good morning. Hasn't this been a lovely service? Love the worship. Love the kids. There was one little girl over here. I don't know who she belongs to. But she was just having the best time. And, you know, she was like a little beat about before everybody else. She knew exactly what she had to do. They are the cutest things. And then um, it's a joy, a real joy for me to be able to share the word this morning. And so let's pray together and then get straight into the word. Father, I just thank you so much for this congregation, for the love that there is person to person and from each person toward you. I thank you for the heart that you've put in this church. I thank you for just the, 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 that you are busy in the act of transforming each one of us into the image of your son. And God, I pray this morning that you would anoint me as your servant, that you would cause this word to be effective, that you would plant it in every heart. It would be good seed in good soil, and that it would produce fruit that you might be glorified. And so I thank you for this, God, in the name of Jesus. And devil, I take authority over you right now and forbid you from stealing this word, misinterpreting it, or coming with any logical reasoning to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. I break your hold over every mind, every life right now, and as I'm submitted unto God and resist you, you will flee in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you now that you will cause our hearts to be open to what you are speaking to us, and I thank you for that. Amen. Right. Um, For those of you who have any recollection of Shakespeare at all, even those of you who don't enjoy Shakespeare or you've never been introduced to him, Um, Most people know this quotation, to be or not to be, that is the question. Who's heard that before? To be or not to be, that is the question. If you haven't, welcome to Shakespeare. Um, But I want to minister to you this morning on something that is just a ripoff of that, to obey or not to obey. That is the question. And you know, when you just think about that, it sounds like a no-brainer. You know, to obey or not to obey. And obviously we're in church, and this is a sermon, and so we're speaking about God. So should we be obedient or should we not? And um, while the new song was up in that first verse, um, there was the, whoever wrote the song had the lyrics about how this person was stumbling and they had encountered all kinds of difficulties, um, but eventually they came back. And they did it God's way. And you know, there's so much hedonism in this world that this is what most people actually think and do. Um, And so we're going to look at the first verse of Frankie Sinatra, Blue Eyes, who always sang the song, I did it my way. And it's amazing how when you're around old people and I've buried young and old people and babies and even stillborn children, um, and there's, there's a sense of completion when you get to the end of life. And some people are taken away um, way, we would say, way before their time. And, you know, when Colin was preaching this mor- was uh, praying this morning for the moms, I was thinking about those people who had miscarried or those people who maybe had had an abortion and how grief has come and or even people who have lost a child. And there is such a, there is just such a, um, a sense of grief that is attached to that. 
But Frank Sinatra sang the song, and we're just going to listen to the first verse, and the lyrics will come up. Can we do that, please? Are we able to play the song? No, okay. Well, I won't sing it to you. Um, He says, and now the end is near, uh, and so I face the final curtain. So in other words, he's getting to the place where he knows his time is up. And then, um, my friend, I'll say it clear, I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full, I've traveled each and every highway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. And see, that is... That is a song that people often play, and they, uh, uh, yeah, they play the song. Um, they've even played it at funerals. And I listen to it, and I think, how foolish. Yeah, not only how, how egocentric is that, but how foolish to get to the end of your life, to know that you've reached the final curtain, and the word that, you, that is strong in you is I didn't do it the way I was supposed to. I did it my way, and I'm proud of that. Um, and the song that we sang does the exact opposite and speaks about how we come into a place of submission. Excuse my croaky throat. Um, comes into a place of submission and of giving one's life to Jesus. And so this is really the area along which I want to, or the, what I want to look at this morning. Um, And so I want to look at some scripture first, and it's John 14, and Jesus was speaking to his disciples knowing that he had reached the final curtain. This was his last and final meeting with all the disciples where he actually even washed the feet of Judas Iscariot. He washed his disciples' feet, they sat down to eat the Passover supper, um, and Then he began to have this discourse with them. And he said this in John 14, and it's here three times. Um, In verse 15, he said, if you love me, keep my commands. In my Bible, it's also the NIV, but uh, just it's the, mine is an earlier translation. And in my Bible, it just says, um, if you love me, obey me. In verse 21, he said, whoever has my commands and keeps them, and my Bible says, and obeys them, but if whoever has my commands and keeps them um, is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. And then in verse 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And so there is an absolute focus in the word of God on obedience. You know, when I first became a Christian, I'd had no Christian background at all. And um, I really didn't know what Christians believed. I didn't know how they acted, didn't know what they were supposed to do. And somebody gave me a living Bible, the way. Um, And I still go back to it every now and again and read it because I just love it. I could understand it. When it said, don't go and hang out where the sinners hang out, out, I understood that. Um, It just says it in a way that is very simple for anybody who really wants to know about God to understand. Um, And I just really didn't know what Christians did. And the first time I read the Bible was I read it all the way through every year. 
And the first time I did that, I thought, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So when I go through this, I'm going to look at everything it says about what I should be doing, and I'm just going to do it. In other words, I was looking on a topic of obedience um, without even realizing that that was what I was doing. So if it said tithe, I didn't question it. I didn't rationalize it. I didn't argue with it. It said tithe. I asked somebody what that meant. They told me, so I did it. Um, it was exactly the same with everything else. Six weeks after I got saved, I read something about being baptized. And so I called a friend and said, what does it mean I get back? Who will baptize me? And what does it mean? Um, and I got a little book that I bought in a Christian book room. And all the way to the baptism in Durban, I was from Zululand. I was reading this book um, about how important it is to be baptized and how when we go under the water, it's like going into the tomb with Jesus. We are dead and we are being buried and then we're being raised in the power of a new life. So I did it. Now this year, and this year I'm going to be, have been serving Jesus 44 years. So this year, um, my theme for the year again is obedience. And this time I'm reading online and um, I can highlight it. And so every time the word obey or obeyed or disobey comes up, um, I just highlight it in blue. And you know, as I scroll through, it looks as if it's just got blue spots everywhere. And do you know that there are 298 verses that reference obedience in the word of God? And, you know, when Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me, that means that it's not how loudly we sing in church. It doesn't mean that we, it doesn't talk about being active in every way. These are all things we do. But that is not how we actually express our love. We express our love for God by being obedient to what it is he asks of us. That's it. And so... We are, unless we have a commitment in our hearts to be obedient to everything that God requires of us, we actually are not expressing our love. Um, it's not an option. You know, Psalm 119 in the, in the Bible is the longest chapter, and it's got seven, it's all about the word of God, and it's a, it's a psalm I love. Um, and in this, in this psalm, this longest chapter, there are 17 different verses that reference obedience to the word. Um, and, you know, the Bible is God's manual for us to live by. And, you know, when we talk about manuals, uh, when I got my car, which is now, I can't even remember, 12 or 13 years old, but still in wonderful condition, um, you know, when I die, somebody will, I know who my car is going to. But often, uh, people, when it goes in for a service, offer to buy it. And Renee, who's my PA, said to me, um, you know, everybody wants to buy your car. And she said, I've told them it's not for sale. And I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, you know, that story that used car salesmen tell you? This car belonged to a little old lady who only ever drove it on Sundays. Um, except that it's driven by a, a very fast um, driver. You know, Renee used to, uh, one of the things she did before she came down to Durban and, and did Bible college and came to work for me, was she used to work in the pits on a racing track. And she used to take the cars out to test them. And so um, don't ever try and take her on. You can in her car, but don't do it in my car. 
but you won't, you won't get a look in. Of course, if you've got a, a very big, fast car, you will. But anyhow, there's, there's this thing. Oh, by the way, with Renee as well. Um, she was not that good at indicating. She'd indicate at the very last moment. And so I started saying to her, indicate, child, indicate. And she said to me that now, when, even when I'm not around, when she drives the car and she's on her own and she's about to move, she hears my voice in her ear going, indicate, child, indicate. <laughs> so um, having some, uh, some uh, effect there. But in the, so when I got this car, I took out the manual and I read everything about it so I knew all about it. And I'm one of those people who, when something comes, I want to read the manual. I don't want to find out when the thing breaks that I did something wrong. Who else is like that? A very few of you. Are most of you the ones who just put the manual in the drawer or leave it in the box and then you try and figure it out? How many of you do that? A whole lot more. And you're proud of it. Because your hands went up high, whereas the, the people who read the manual go... I'm a bit ashamed of that. Anyhow, so also Renee's one of those who figures it out. So, but I'm a manual reader. And that's helped me when it comes to the Word of God. Because I don't ask people. I would rather find out what the Word says about something. Um, and the Bible is our manual. It tells us anything we need to know about how to conduct our lives. And you know, Jesus was the word made flesh, and he demonstrated this. But in order to be obedient, there's also a degree of humility that we have to exercise. But just look at what the word says about Jesus and obedience. In Philippians 2.8, um, it says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so Jesus obeyed the Father all the way through his life, which is why he was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God when he was crucified. And when, and I know that we had wonderful services leading up to Easter and, on, and during the, the Easter weekend. And, you know, you, you just see how, I think you preached on this, hey, Carl, about how he went into the garden three times and prayed and saw Blood burst out through the blood vessels in his forehead. And he was saying, Father, if it's, please let this cup pass from me. Don't let me have to go through this. And then he would bring himself to say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so we know that he wanted his disciples to pray with him, but they went to sleep. It says they were overcome with grief. And sometimes when you're just super sad, all you can do is sleep. And that was what they were doing. So he said, couldn't you even stay awake with me for one hour? And they went to sleep, but he had to go and pray three times, and he actually fell on the ground. And this was him bending his will to the will of the Father, because he, he really, it wasn't a joy for him to go to the cross. He was going, God, if there's any other way, but there wasn't any other way. And so he became obedient to death, even death on a cross the most brutal way to die that there is. Um, and in Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9, it says, Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the, cause, the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And, you know, we can choose to live by our rules, or we can choose to live by God's rules. And when I say rules... 
These are, they are genuinely commandments. But, you know, when we, it sounds as if we're putting law on the church, on a church that lives by grace. But it's really different from what you see in the Old Testament. Because there were laws in the Old Testament, but if they disobeyed them, there was punishment. We have been removed from a place of fearing punishment. What we lose out on are the blessings that are connected to obedience. See, it's not as if we, we obey because we're afraid. We obey because we love. And there's a huge difference in this. And there are, there are certainly things that God shows us in the word. And we need to be like Jesus sometimes and bend our will away from what we want to what God wants. And that really does, it takes a degree of suffering when you have to let go of something that you know is not in accordance with the will of God. So it's not about punishment. You know, when you think of this, you can't drive a car unless you know the rules of the road. I mean, some people drive as if they don't know the rules of the road. And we won't mention taxi drivers. But honestly, some people drive as if they, as if they never passed a driver's test. But there are rules of the road. And in order to get your driver's license, you have to know them. And you're expected to obey them. And I remember that when I lived in America for four years, and when I was over there at Bible College, um, I went to get my American license. Um, and, you know, South Africans are friendly. Anybody notice that? You know, like we talk to each other in, in queues, and people just are generally convivial. Um, but I tried that with the guy who was doing my test, and he was not amused. You know, when I said, oh, hello, and smiled at him, he looked at me, said, get in the car. You know, it, it just didn't work. He thought I was trying to bribe him. Once at an entry point to America, I handed over my passport. And in my passport, I keep things. I've got a photograph of one of my dead dogs, who was the apple of my eye. So a photograph of her is stuck in the side. And I had stuck in $10 or something, folded it up, and put it, so that it put it somewhere in my passport. So I handed it over, and the guy looked at me. He goes, are you trying to bribe me? And I was absolutely horrified. I'm going, no, no, no. That, that's where I keep things. Um, look at my dog's photograph. Um, but that also didn't amuse him. So, but I remember clearly taking my license in America and I remember this one particularly clearly because I failed it. It was the one question in the test that I failed. And the question was, what do you do when you go onto a freeway from like a side road? You know, when you go on, um, do you, and they gave you a multiple choice. And I wrote, you slow down and wait for a gap. And the real answer was, you speed up and merge. And my hair just about stood on end. I imagine speeding up and merging here. Um, but I remember that because I got it wrong. And then after years, I came back to South Africa. And by that time, I had the American rules firmly in my head. And down near Winston Park, um, the, the golf, not Winston Park, 
Windsor, Windsor Golf Club. There's a place there where you have to access the main road from a side road. And I was driving, trying to remind myself that we drive on the left, not the right. And as I went to that road, I, I did the American thing. I speeded up and merged. And I, ne I was nearly taken out. And I would have probably taken out a bunch of cars as well. And I had just inadvertently obeyed the rules of another country, not the rules of this country. And it, it nearly ended in disaster. And guys, you know that we are citizens of heaven. And we have got heaven's rules to live by. And the problem is when we only know the rules of this world, we, try to, we, we actually live that way, whereas God wants us to live according to heaven, as citizens of heaven. But we often choose to navigate through life without ever reading the manual. And, you know, my encouragement to you this morning is to actually make sure that you know what the Word says. And, what, and it's, you can get such simple versions to read now if you feel that you're, not, um, that you're not qualified to do this, to read the Word. But you can. Anybody can. And things that we preach and teach in church are not our, are not our own opinions. They are from the word of God, and we are preaching and teaching truth. And there's nothing ambiguous about it. God tells us exactly how we are to, to live, how we're to act, how we're to speak, how we're to conduct our lives. And I want, I, I actually need a chair, guys. Um, Ephesians 4, 20, you can just bring, don't worry about the story, just bring me one of those chairs right here in front. Thank you. You don't mind, do you? People, you don't mind if I preach sitting down. Thank you. Oopsie. Let's just read Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. He says, therefore, yeah, this is Paul talking to the Ephesians and to us. He said, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen." And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, thank you, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ in God forgave you. Now that covers so many different things in our lives. How we speak. You know, just that last bit. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And yet so often, the talk that, I mean, the way we speak is poisonous. It can be toxic. Um, and, you know, don't, like, don't go to bed angry. There's so many practical things that are given to us here. And, you know, every good thing in human law is actually biblically based. Everything. You know, about murdering. Why, why do we not murder? Because the Word of God says we mustn't murder in the Ten Commandments. But I want to just ask you three questions here. What and this is pertaining to South Africa. What kind of society do you want to live in? Just think about that for a moment. What kind of society 
do you want to live in? And I've written down three things. We're going to look at each one separately, but they're just very short. I want to live in a society that's not corrupt. How about you? Wouldn't you love it if South Africa had no corruption in it? I'd like to live in a society that's law-abiding, not criminal. And I'd like to live in a society that is morally righteous. You know, where we don't find child abuse and murder and rape and gender-based violence and everything. I want a morally-based society. How about you? You know, if you think of it, and I encourage you to think about it, uh, because different people might say different things. But somebody said to me just uh, two days ago, somebody who'd emigrated, they said, I don't ever want to go back to South Africa. I prefer to live in a first world country and not worry about crime all the time. And my heart was grieved by that. But I know that all of us want to live, I believe that, all of us want to live in a society where there's no crime. All of us want to live in a society that's not corrupt. All of us want to live in a society that is law-abiding. So let's just think about this. Not corrupt. You know, it's biblical. But the thing is, we want the benefits of it uh, uh, without realizing that the Bible also commands us to be without, without corruption. And in, but now here's the point. Here is the point of everything I'm saying. An incorrupt society is made up of incorruptible people. And that means that in our own lives, each of us has to determine that we won't be corrupt. And what we do is we often, let me move this out your way so you can see me, it's okay. Here we go, thank you. Um, we want the benefits of these things while reserving to ourselves the rights to just like, not be like that um, fully, but like if I want to be a little bit corrupt, I can. How can I be corrupt? I can be corrupt with my income tax. I can be corrupt in many little things that benefit me. I can be corrupt by buying something by buying something from a person where the price is absolutely astronomically reduced and without wanting to say to ourselves, there's probably something behind the sale of this thing that is corrupt. See, we, we, cannot, we cannot be like that. We have to, if we want a society that um, operates a particular way, we have to demonstrate that. Because by our influence, we influence others. I remember one time uh, loaning the car that I had at, um, I, I was at Durban Christian Center as a pastor for about two years. And um, while I was there, I had a, a church car on loan. And I'm very strict about obeying the rules of the road because, again, guys, we laugh when we break the, the rules of the road. And we warn each other when a traffic cop's hiding behind a bush. Don't do that. They're just doing their job. You know, so if somebody's speeding, they deserve to be caught. And I know that I'm probably preaching to people who totally disagree with me, but I'm right. <laughs> so listen. Really, because a speeding car can kill a child. A speeding car can have a tire blow out and, and affect innocent people and cars around it. Anyway, it's the, it's the laws of the land. So um, I loaned this car to Kim Clements once. 
if any of you don't know him, he's dead now, but um, I ministered with him a lot, and he was a prophet, a prophet to the nations. And Kim gave my car back with a look of disgust. And he said to me, you know, when it hits 120, it starts to shake all over, like to make, to make sure you don't go over the speed limit. He said, it would be your car that does that. Um, which, it was, I mean, it wasn't my car, it was alone. But anyway, I just want to read you a scripture here. And the background to it is that King Saul had been commanded by Samuel the prophet, speaking for God, to go and wipe out the Amalekites. And God said, wipe everything out. The people, the animals, don't let anything live. And when the prophet arrived afterwards, um, he heard cattle lowing and he heard the noise of animals. And God told him that Saul had been disobedient. And so he came and he approached Saul and this is what he said. In 1 Samuel 15, 19 to 22, he said, was they, they brought a whole bunch of the animals back. All, you know, it was wonderful what they did. He said, why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. And I absolutely love that as well. It's amazing how we will be partially obedient and we insist, but I am obedient. Look at what I did, but it's only partial obedience. And so he said, but I did. Um, I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. God said, wipe out everything. Don't leave anything breathing. Then my troops, will, uh, then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And see, this was his excuse. Oh, the people did it. I didn't do it. I did the right thing. Um, but the people brought back, and notice it was the best of all the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder. So they plundered the place. God said, don't do that. They was, it was supposed to be something that was completely wiped out because of what the Amalekites had done previously. So now Saul allows the, the soldiers to plunder the place and to bring back these animals. And obviously they were going to keep the animals until they were confronted by the prophets. Then suddenly it was, we brought back the best so that we could sacrifice them, which was a big lie. But anyway, this, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than the offering of rams. You know, it's like somebody who goes out and they steal a whole bunch of money. And they say, but I'm doing it because I want to give it in the offering. Does that make it okay? Um, and yet it's amazing how people will justify disobedience to the word. I have heard stories that uh, I think... Did you make that up on the spur of the moment? Or is this something that you've thought of for years? Because it's convoluted. But all those stories are going, um, this allows me to break the law if I really want to, because I've got a jolly good reason for doing it. But that didn't go down with Samuel. Then, secondly, we want a society that's law-abiding, not criminal. You know, we want the benefits of other people not being criminals. You know, everybody else isn't a criminal, so we feel safe. But we can still do things that are actually a bit criminal. You know, was criminality, there's a scale, is the way we look at it. No, 
And then we want a morally righteous society without child abuse, rape, domestic violence, murder. You can add whatever you like. But a morally righteous society where girls can go to um, hang out at a place um, sometimes and not have to hold their fingers over whatever it is or something over their drinks so that drugs aren't put in so that they can be raped. We want a society that is morally righteous. And that's biblical. We want our children to be safe. But you know what? We can actually be funding as something that is totally corrupt and totally criminal by our choice of entertainment. Guys, do you know that no Christian should be in, in movies that are profane, that are blasphemous, that are, are essentially glorifying something that is totally ungodly? Now, what... Now, I love crime, not to do it, <laughs> to read about it, to watch it. I think I've told you before that among my, in my library, I have a, a, an encyclopedia of serial killers, just because I'm fascinated by it. So I li like to watch true crime, but I also don't mind watching detective things and things like that. But it reaches a point where sometimes you just, you're watching something and you think, I'm actually convicted about this. You know, there's, I, I've got a, I found a setting on my, on my DSTV that allows me to block out swearing. But do you know that they often don't block out blasphemy? Do you know that? And so it's like that to me is if I hear blasphemy, instantly the channel is going to be switched. But we, we, we want sometimes to be able to be just a little bit unrighteous, morally unrighteous. So again, we want our children to be safe, but we're exposing them through the things that we're watching to stuff that they really shouldn't know about. But we want a morally righteous society. You know, I could go on with all of this, but essentially if we, our desire should be to know God's word and to live by it. I love the fact that this year our theme is lovers of truth. In my, I think my Facebook page, where you have to describe yourself in your profile, I've got lover of truth, because I love truth, because I was deceived. I was deceived until I received, until I received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then I hate anything, hate it with a passion if it is not the truth, because God is the truth. Jesus was the word made manifest. He lived among us. He showed us by the life he lived. Um, what it is to be transformed into God's likeness. Because if we want to see God, excuse me, if we want to really see what God would look like as a human being, we've seen him. Because Jesus in a human body was showing us what the word is like when it's lived out. And I love the fact that Jesus was accessible to everybody that they, he, did, he said, don't stop the children from coming to me. Um, when they said, who's the greatest, he showed them a child. That's the greatest in the kingdom of God. Why? Because they are trusting. They trust. You know, they'll go to sleep somewhere completely innocently, believing that their parents are going to look after them and take them home, and they're going to wake up in their bed. And he said, we've got to be like children. And one of the important things parents know is that we have to teach our children to be obedient. Um, I've been looking at the time and thinking that I've got 10 minutes to go and I'm winding down. May I please have an extra few minutes? Very few. 
That's why these, these clock, now I'm going into minus naught four and minus naught seven, etc. <laughs> so, and I, I read one as well, I minus in red. Society simply reflects the kind of people who live in it. So what is your life, what is my life contributing toward making South Africa the kind of country that I want to live in? I loathe racism. It's something that, uh, it's, it doesn't just grieve me, it angers me. And so it's incredible to me how often I sit with people and they'll make racist comments and I feel I have to, most of these people are close to me and I feel I've got to get in there and, and actually try and pull them right. And so what are we doing when we're sitting in company and somebody blasphemes? Can we say, Adele, you're here. I remember Adele saying, even when she was totally backslidden, um, she, as a, where she'd been raised by her parents in a godly way, um, as a church-going Christian, and she used to preach to herself in the mirror when she was little, and then she backslid. But she said, even as completely black, backslidden and in the worst kind of club, as drunk as you can be, if anybody blasphemed, she would say, hey, stop that. And she wouldn't allow anybody to blaspheme, even when she was drunk. And I think that's wonderful. But I want to finish off with something, really, that, that is to do with Mother's Day, um, and it's about Mary. Do you know that um, Catholics venerate Mary as the mother of God, etc., etc.? But I want to show you how Jesus actually um, puts obedience above relationship. And I'm just going to show you three scriptures, then we're done, because obedience is critical to God. In Luke 17, 27 and 28, Jesus was busy teaching somewhere and, and the room was full. And they said, as Jesus was saying these things, oh, sorry, the first one is when he's on his way up to Jerusalem. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. That means this morning that if you hear the word and you go out from here and you choose to obey what you've heard, to be obedient to whatever the word of God says, Jesus says you're blessed above the relationship that Mary had with him as his mother. Um, Luke 8, 19 to 21. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Are, are you letting this get into you? Luke 8, 19 to 21. His mother and brothers showed up but couldn't get in. This is in the message, by the way. It's the same scripture, but in the message. His mother and brothers showed up but couldn't get through to him because of the crowd. He was given the message. Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are the ones who hear and do God's word. Obedience is thicker than blood. Now, that is Eugene Peterson's um, way of saying it, but it, it makes so much sense. And so as we close today, I really just um, want to pray and ask all of each one of you, just in your hearts, just having heard what I've preached, knowing how much obedience, there, how much 
obedience is critical to God. And knowing that the power that was in Mary was because when the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, you're going to conceive a child, and she was unwed. And she knew it was going to be a disgrace. But she said, let it be done to me according to your word. And she heard God's word and she received it. And it was her obedience to what God required of her that made her blessed above women. Not the fact that Jesus was going to be in her womb, but the fact that in order for everything to be fulfilled, she was obedient to the word of God. She heard what he wanted, she received it, and she conceived so I'm trusting God that you will do the same. Um, so can we just pray together? Father, I just come to you today in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. And I thank you so much, God, for your word. I thank you that we are looking this year at being lovers of truth. And every single thing that I've preached has been the truth, according to your word. And I pray that you would put within each one of us a desire to please you, Something where when we, when we do what the word says, we're not doing it because we're afraid of punishment if we don't, but it's an expression of our love to, for you. Because I love you, God, I love you with all my heart and soul and all my mind and all my strength. And that means that I want to please you in every way. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, you said, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so I pray that you would put within us that deep, deep desire to be obedient according to your word. And for every person who wants this, God, I just trust you to beam your approval upon, let them feel within the pleasure of God as that commitment is made. And I thank you for that. And, you know, some of you who are here, they might be here, um, might never have taken that first step of obedience, the obedience to invite Jesus Christ into your life. 